0: If your expectation was that today's episode of Cut the Clutter will be about what's happened in Bihar, then I apologize to you. I'm sorry to disappoint you. But you know what? If I know you well enough by now, I know that by now, one, you know Bihar politics inside out and also that you are quite bored with it because this has gone on on your TV channels, in your newspapers, And you've heard from all the gyanis over the past three, four days. Also, there is so much of the sameness about what's happened in in, in Bihar. Because it's Bihar, Nitish Kumar, he's coming, he's going, he's going, he's coming. It's the same story. In fact, that's the reason, while this drama was playing out, I also shared with you one of our earlier episodes explaining Nitish Kumar's politics. I know a lot of you saw and I thought then we should move on from the Bihar story because that Bihar story is now over and look at something that we haven't looked at for a long time and that's Pakistan. In fact, this week. i'm I'm talking about pakistan today it's possible that you might end up talking about pakistan on another issue later in the week as well but what is what is it that we are talking about right now it is about not just pakistan but pakistan and afghanistan because attention is now turned pakistan's security threat which pakistan has traditionally seen to its eastern borders that is borders with india I have said this often enough that there is no threat to Pakistan from its eastern borders if Pakistan were to give up its fantasy of claiming of taking any territory from what is currently in India's control, right? Essentially, Jammu and Kashmir, which is with India right now, if Pakistan gives up that nostalgia. Pakistan has no threat on its eastern borders, across its eastern borders from India. It will be good for Pakistan. It will be good for India in any case. Very good for Pakistan. Pakistan's threat right now, the live threat at this point, the threat from the eastern borders, borders with India is not live at this point because line of control is quiet. Ceasefire has held almost entirely. There are some issues now and then. but ceasefire is held almost entirely also also the forces on both sides are not really strike forces are back in their barracks or, or in their training areas that's a that's a calm border the border on the western side of Pakistan has come alive and we know we all know what happened between Pakistan and Iran just the other day when they exchanged rockets and missiles and bombs and and and, and raids in each other's territory first the Iranians carried out Attacks in Pakistan and that Pakistan retaliated. That is something that my colleague Praveen Swami told you about in one of his one of his videos in the Explorer series. Please do track that series. That's a wonderful series. He's done the second one now, which has just been just been published today on Myanmar. That gives you an idea of exactly what's happening in Myanmar, Myanmar the various groups there, the, the Myanmarese army, the problems it's facing right now. The pressure that it's under, also the game that's being played by the Chinese, and obviously the game that's been joined or that's also been played by India because India has a long border with Myanmar. So, for that, again, check out Praveen Swami's Explorer as also on what's happening on the Pak Iran border. Now, Pak Iran border has been alive for some time. It's only lately that you've seen these real incidents. The other part of the same western border, which is most of it, that is 2,611 kilometers of the border, that is the border that Pakistan shares with Afghanistan. Again, it's western border. Now, you can call it border, but if you were an Afghan, you would call it a non-border. And I will explain to you why we are saying that. Now, what's happened? The reason we are talking about this right now is, one, that the stuff happened, that happened with Iran, that's one. But the more important thing is, Pakistanis are now getting more and more irritable with the Afghans. Because they think Pakistani army is not able to put down either Tariq-e-Taliban either Pakistan, which keeps on carrying out really sizable hits on Pakistani armed forces, in their territory, but also they are not able to get a hold of the situation in Balochistan as well. And then there are sundry other groups. And the Pakistani army has been blaming the Afghan government. Afghan government means, Afghan, I should say government in quotes, because our country does not recognize that government as yet. That's a Taliban government. So Pakistan continues to accuse the, the Taliban administration or the Taliban regime with harboring its own rebels so the two things that have happened now briefly one the pakistani army chief general asim munir talking to a bunch of students and in, in fact talking to a large group of students he said something really angry you you can see that he's furious with the afghan taliban right now and he says and he says and i quote it from international press as he's been quoted he says when it comes to the safety and security of every single Pakistani, the whole of Afghanistan can be damned. The whole of Afghanistan can be damned. And then he goes on to imply that we have provided food to Afghans for 50 years. And then he says, but when it comes to our children, we will pursue those who attack them. That is basically his saying that those insurgents, particularly TTP, tariq taliban Pakistan, they attack us and our children. And they have harbors, safe harbors in Afghanistan, Taliban-controlled Afghanistan. So we will pursue them there. We don't care what happens to the Afghans. Now, this was, this was a very strong, very strong statement. And, and then he says, you must go on to understand history. Afghanistan was the only country, the only country that opposed Pakistan's entry into the United Nations after the partition of the subcontinent and the creation of Pakistan. So this is something that goes back that long. And I will tell you the reasons for for that as we go along. Now, as he has said that, immediately around the same time, in fact, just after that, the Afghan quote-unquote, the Taliban minister, I'm saying a quote-unquote, simply because Hardly any country recognizes the Taliban, maybe the Chinese to some extent. So, Nurullah Nuri, Nurullah Nuri is the minister for frontiers for the Taliban, for the Taliban regime or administration, you can call it what you want. He, he said, we don't have a border with Pakistan, the line that exists is an imaginary line. Now, the important thing is that this is the consistent approach policy of the afghan regimes afghans have had a lot of political instability for almost a hundred years more than a hundred years that's been their policy that they do not recognize the so-called Durand line as the legitimate border between their country and pakistan now i had talked about some of these problems in episode 791 that was two years ago more than two years ago in fact in 2021 three years ago 791 and I will share a link with you. In 791, we had talked about how the Pakistanis had got the they had got the predicament of somebody in a tourist trap. You go to a tourist trap and you say how much is this t-shirt? Somebody says $20. So we said I'm paying $5, and the guy says, Take it, and then you think, Have I been fooled? I shouldn't have paid five dollars, something like that. I'm repeating that example because. That fits the Pakistani predicament in Afghanistan so well. Because they wanted Afghanistan to come under control of the Taliban. Taliban was the people that the Pakistanis started harboring. In fact, they invented him. If you you see this this long tweet or long note on Twitter or X now, written by Amrullah Saleh, the former national security advisor and really brilliant Afghan security official and intelligence man, He says in this post that Taliban was something that a man called Colonel Imam, which was a veteran of the ISI veteran of the Zulfiqar Ali Bhutto era. He dreamt up the idea of creating the Taliban. So somewhere around, somewhere after 1991, 1991 is when Pakistanis thought that Russians, Soviets had been defeated. They had left in 1989 and then they thought, that the regimes, Mujahideen regimes that came in after that, they were not really playing ball with them. So they wanted a more compliant regime. And that's around time that Amrullah Saleh says that this Colonel Imam, who is a veteran of the ISI from Zulfiqar Ali Bhutto's era, he dreamt up of the idea of the Taliban and he created this organization. Now, this is the organization which had been, Pakistan's favorite for a long time. And in fact, again, Amrullah Saleh tells us that 2006 onwards, Pakistanis started, they got emboldened because they they thought that the Americans had now got caught in Afghanistan, they had achieved what they initially wanted to achieve. But now that they were caught in Afghanistan, as the Soviets were trapped in the past, the Pakistanis could play their own games. That's the Pakistani ISI and army could play their own games. And, and he says that that is then, that is from then, instructions from Hakani Network, Quetta Shura, Mira, Miran Shah Shura, these started coming. And in fact, that's when these entities came up also. Haqqani Network, Kweeta Ashura, Miran Ashura. these were all located in Pakistan and they were running the Taliban operations in Afghanistan, fighting the Americans and American allies. In fact, that is when Hamid Gul had said that we can fight and defeat the Americans using their money. Now, to understand how the Pakistanis got here or how the Afghans and Pakistanis got here, we have to go back to, we have to go back almost 130 years because it was in 1893, this is again something that we talked about briefly in our episode 791 about three years ago. It was in 1893 that the British imperial government or the empire based in India, they signed a treaty with the Afghan ruler of that time. Afghan ruler of that time or the Emir of the Emirate of Afghanistan was Abdul Rahman Khan. Abdul Rahman Khan was not a vassal of the British. In fact, the British had fought a bunch of wars with the Afghans. The first war, 1839-1842, that we know, went on and ended in disaster for the British troops. Then the British went in once again in 1878. That went, that went on till 1879, the Treaty of Gandamak was signed. Once again, nobody won that war, nobody lost that war. But what the British decided was, they decided that instead of fighting the Afghans, which was a war that no invader has been able to win because of the fighting spirit of the arms, also because of the Afghan expertise, the traditional Afghan expertise with guerrilla warfare, And also because of the terrain, so the British decided to to do the next best thing, which is to sign a treaty with the Afghans, letting them have their own rule in their own area, in, in their own region. The idea was that if you give it to the Afghans, Afghans are strong enough to be the bulwark against the Russian expansion. So Afghanistan then became the classical buffer state for the British Empire to buffer them from the Russians, and that is where they signed this treaty with the Afghan ruler then Abdul Rahman Khan, drawing the Durand Line, and they carried out some quick cursory cursory surveys to mark this line on the map. This was to divide the area of influence of the Empire of British India and area of influence of the Afghan government. So this was divided between Imperial India, between the authority of Imperial India. And, and that of the Afghan sovereign. What happened in this case was that as, as colonial powers often did, these lines on the map were drawn in a great hurry. So, often they went through Afghan villages, Pakhtun villages, they divide, divided families, they divided, they divided clans. Now Pakhtuns, Pashtuns, you can call them Pashtuns, Pakhtuns, Pathans, They are tribal people. These were tribes. So each one saw a tribe as a whole, a tribe and a clan as a whole. And they were not about to willingly accept a line dividing them. And since then, they haven't accepted that line. And they have believed that they have have the right to move across this line at, at their will. Because they do not believe that two powers could have drawn this line. Now, the important thing to understand there is that While the Pakistanis swear by the Durand line, because they inherited this line. The Durand line, first it was drawn in 1894, then it was modified in 1919 between, again, the imperial authority and the then-Afghan ruler. Once again, 1919, just for us to connect, was also the year of the Jallianwala Bagh massacre. So, 1919, this line was modified. That is the line the Pakistanis inherited. And that is the line they swear by and that is the line that now even the Taliban have repudiated. In fact, in 2017, Hamid Karzai, who was president of Afghanistan, he had also made a similar statement. In fact, Hamid Karzai had made an even stronger statement saying there is no such thing as, as Durand line. We do not recognize it. Now, the Pakistanis have been trying very hard. All of Pakistan's great game, quote-unquote great game, pun intended, In Afghanistan, the one basic thing is, first of all, to get Durand line recognized as the border. So at least they can be sure of one border because they also have insurgencies, tribal insurgencies in that part of their country. And those insurgencies have never never been put down. Neither have they been put down militarily, nor have they been co-opted or given accommodation politically. That hasn't happened. The second objective the Pakistanis have in Afghanistan is to make sure that India is not able to have a friendly regime there. That Afghan regime that's friendly to India is not able to survive. That is the the twin pursuit in which Pakistanis have 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 been involved. And if now their chief has to speak like this and in response the Afghan frontier minister says there is no border between us and Pakistan, you know how, quote-unquote, successful the Pakistanis have been in that pursuit. I will share with you a bunch of tweets from Amrullah Saleh that those will explain to you his perspective of what the situation is. But it's also quite factual because a lot of the things he says, particularly in this long 10-part note on Twitter, In that note, he explains 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 in 10 points how Pakistan's policy has evolved and how Pakistan has moved from one blunder to another since the Soviets invaded Afghanistan. Because he says the Pakistanis have always had had a plan to start something. Usually starting something means defeating the regime currently in power in Afghanistan. It could be the Soviets, it could be the communists who were were helped, uh, helped along by the Soviets it could be the americans it could be the mujahideen after that then the americans so on and so forth and now the taliban pakistanis have always had a plan to destabilize the regime that's there but they don't have a plan for the situation where their objective is met which means when the regime is destabilized and that's what's gone wrong with pakistan every time the soviets left the communist regime was defeated najibullah's regime Pakistanis didn't know who to install because they installed some Mujahideen. Mujahideen fought amongst themselves. They were not not able to control them. They got the Taliban. Then the Americans came in. Then they had to get the Taliban out. Then they decided to bring the Taliban back. Now the Taliban have come back. They again didn't have a plan on how to deal with the Taliban because ultimately they get defeated because they do not want to accept the fact that there is an Afghan nationalism and there is also an, an Afghan... National impulse, there is also a tribal Pashtun impulse which cuts across the two borders, and this is something that they can only handle politically and sensitively. They can't handle this through Dadagri. They tried doing it through Dadagri after the Americans left, and the outcome is before us. Now, before I let you go, I have to take you back to 1949. 1949 is when the Afghans, the Afghan tribes, they decided to hold what is called a Loya Jirga. Loya Jirga is basically a parliament of tribal elders, parliament, congregation, whatever you want to call it. So Loya Jirga was held on 26th of July, 1949, where they decided that they will not accept the Durand line. They said, and I quote from that resolution, neither the imaginary Durand line nor any similar line. Is recognized by them because they said that this agreement of 1893 it was void, it was a result of coercion, duress, and diktat. And was it, was it not? You might say, or somebody might say, I'm sure on the Pakistani side they will say that look. The British only signed this agreement with the Afghans who were a sovereign entity because the British did not rule Afghanistan. Afghanistan was a sovereign nation. So far, so good. But there's a little twist there. And the twist is that in the true imperial British fashion, while Afghanistan was allowed to be a sovereign nation in its own right, its foreign affairs and defense affairs were controlled by the British. So when the British or on behalf of the British Empire, Sir Henry Mortimer Durand, after whom the line is named, he was negotiating, he was negotiating with his Afghan counterparts because he also controlled the foreign and defense policies of Afghanistan. This really, if you look at it from the Afghan point of view, it would seem like it was it was the British negotiating with the British. And that's the reason they refused to accept this line. Now you want to re- read more about it? I am sharing with you a tweet from Tilak Deveshwar. Tilak Deveshwar is one of the senior former officers of RAW. He served in Pakistan in the High Commission. He is a scholar, he understands Pakistan very well, and he suggests in his tweet that you read up, read up his book, that is, The Pashtun Seh contested history. It is a very fine book. I would also commend it to you if you are interested in greater detail on this. Durand line, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Pashtun issue. That said, in conclusion, because we are so much into sport, Durand Cup, the football tournament, it's the oldest club tournament in India. It, it is named after Sir Henry Mortimer Durand, who was born in Sehore in Madhya Pradesh. It's, it was named after him. He served as India's foreign secretary between 1884. 1894. And it was during that period when he was Foreign Secretary of India, he was an ICS officer, Indian Civil Service Officer of 1873 Batch. It was in that period Durand Cup started in Shimla.